Thank you very much for the warm welcome. I appreciate that. I remember being here with Pauline, my wife, who's here as well, on Easter Sunday last year. It's amazing. Where has that time gone? But then the older you get, you kind of feel that way, don't you, you know? Well, we're looking in Philippians both this morning and this evening because we're going to unpack from that. That's the current phrase these days, I gather. We're going to look at that from the basis of Romans where we get a tremendous blessing and a great promise that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace. And my aim is a really big one for these two services this morning and this evening, and that is that we will end by not just knowing about joy and peace, but we'll appreciate the experience of joy and peace in a whole new and fresh way. And that's what Philippians can do for us in very practical terms. It will help us to see how that we can experience and know that hope of joy and peace in our lives. When I define hope, I think of H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. And that's my expectation for this, because God is a God of hope, that we can have that confidence of experiencing that joy. We'll talk about that this evening, but for this morning we're looking at peace. I didn't realize that the Bible reading was going to be separate from the message, so you're going to hear that short Bible reading again, because... My, uh, I'm the great uncle of Caleb who's looking after, I like that phrase, great uncle, uh, but he's looking after my PowerPoint so he'll need to go through this. I'm just glad I'm not preaching on Psalm 119. <laughs> it's a short passage that we're dealing with. Let me read again to you this short passage from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. For those of you who like using electronic books... You perhaps know this, that if you come across something that you are reading and you want to reflect upon that and think about it at a later date, you highlight it and those technical people know what you are highlighting. They have a way of being able to track what you consider relevant and something that you want to think further about. Now, during this last couple of years... 
They would tell us that there is one passage from a book which has been highlighted by more people in Great Britain two to one than any other passage from any other electronic book. It's from Hunger Games Part 2 because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Now, I could just imagine a student who's seen the movie and liked it enough to buy the book. And now he's reading that book when he actually should be revising for his next exam, but he's not equipped to deal with it. Or somebody in a relationship which has crumbled and crashed, and they're thinking, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Or a person in a financial problem. It's not a matter of making the ends meet. It's wondering where the ends are in the first place. And I'm not equipped to deal with this. Or a person who is struggling with a health problem and wondering about what the next stage will be or even knowing that the next stage is not going to be a gentle one for them and I'm not equipped to deal with this. I can understand and you can too. Do you know that if you read a Bible from an app on your smartphone, do you know what is the most highlighted passage for this last couple of years from people who will read the Bible that way? It is this very passage that we're looking at right now. And particularly Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7. So I know I am talking about something very relevant to us as we take a few moments this morning to explore this and to understand it. And I want to show you in these next few moments how it is possible for us, whatever our outer circumstances, whatever the struggles or the stresses and the problems and the worries and the anxieties that inevitably in a world like this will impinge upon us, how we can experience a lasting peace. And that every single one of us can experience that peace and know what it takes before we leave this building at the end of this service. And the reason why I say that is because this that we're going to talk about and explore now has got nothing whatsoever to do with willpower. If it was to do with that, some of us might have the energy or the personality and therefore the tenacity to be able to face some of those difficulties and to deal with them with a sense of peace. But many of us, we're too exhausted already. And so we would struggle if it is down to our willpower. I am talking about a peace that we can experience today because it's supernatural. You see, Galatians 5 outlines the marks of a person supernaturally changed. Paul describes it as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What are we as Christians? We're people certainly who are forgiven, but we are also people who are filled by the person of Jesus Christ. 
by the Holy Spirit. Indeed, in Romans 8, the words are interchangeable. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the person of Jesus Christ. What has Jesus got in his personality? Well, it's love and it's joy. And it's a whole lot more, including peace. So it's all available in us supernaturally when we receive Christ into our lives. It is simply a matter of knowing how to release that personality of Jesus that is peace through our personalities and in our situations. And many of us can relate to the person who said, you know, if I get any more things to worry about, they're going to have to wait two weeks before I get time to worry about those situations. Or the Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says, what's up, Charlie Brown? And he said, I'm anxious. In fact, my anxieties have got anxieties. And many of us connect and relate to that. To the Philippians, the Apostle Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. And the antidote is the peace of God. Anxious isn't the word for normal concern. The word used here is to be torn apart. Ever sensed that? Ever known that? Even experienced it now? To feel as though what's happening in your life is just ripping you apart at this time. And Paul was able to learn an inner poise. Think about his circumstances. He was in prison. He wasn't sure whether he was going to survive, whether he would live. He had no security whatsoever. And yet he can speak in these terms. We spend money to get poise some people will go into therapy we wanted to face our bills to face our boss to get some dates to deal with ill health it wasn't natural for Paul to be calm and it isn't for us the peace of God guarding him is quite literally like an army around about him. I can tell you from personal experience in some of the countries I have been in to preach, you sleep well if you are under armed guard, even if it's just a couple of three men protecting you while you sleep. Imagine a whole barracks set there to garrison you around. That's the picture that Paul is using right here. And it is so different to what we generally think. Much advice on stress teaches mind games. Don't think about it. Learn to control your thoughts. Get into breath control. Get your body in the lotus position. Those kind of things. Now, there may be elements of some of those things that might just help us because we are physical, emotional, spiritual beings. So telling somebody, go and take a holiday, might be a good thing. That they can rest themselves in their body. But the problem is this. It's refusing to face how bad things are. It's not being realistic. Christian peace is not because we don't face facts. It's a power coming into us, enabling us to be able to overcome 
whatever those circumstances, in those things, not outside of them, but in them, not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. But how do we get this? Paul tells us three actions, thinking, thanking, and thrilling. Now, thinking is really important. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you know what Paul is saying there? Think about the teaching of the Bible. Because he adds, whatever you have learned or received, heard or seen in me. He's talking about God and sin. Christ and salvation. He's talking about God's plan that takes us from being nowhere people going nowhere into being people who have found something because we've found him. Because he has found us. Now this is amazing. If we want peace, think about doctrine. This is completely different to what you will get if you look on a, in a bookshop at the mind and health and body wholeness sections, completely different. You go to a show that's coming this area about mind, body and soul. They're happening all over the country. They're happening in this area very shortly, probably again. It'll be completely different to what Paul is saying here. None of the popular books, none of the popular seminar courses, nothing that you will get from yoga or transcendental meditation, none of those things is anything like this. So you're stressed out. Ask the big questions about life. Why are you here? What are you doing? Where are you going? They don't say that, never. We don't think that that will relieve stress. We think that that might increase it. No, what happens is you get words about relaxation techniques or the work-rest balance. Take a holiday and stop thinking about everything else. Or you get thought control techniques. Here's how to deal with negative thoughts, guilt, and the rest of it. Be a bit more positive an encouragement on how to get into much more of a positive mindset. Of course, there are some things about that which will work, but they will never tell you to think. They'll get you into techniques. And it might work, but it's fake peace. And Paul is saying exactly the opposite. Christian peace comes by thinking out the implications. Think about whatever is true. What is truth? The gospel is true, noble, right, and more. Think about the relationship and how you have that relationship as a child with the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. If we believe all the doctrine yet lack peace, we are not thinking. Now, there is stupid and smart peace. Stupid peace is, ho, 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 to the bottle I go to heal my hurt and drown my woe. Do you know what that is? Escapism. But you realize even church can be escapism. If we come just for the 
atmosphere just to help us to feel a bit better. One of the things that has been said to me throughout the years by people at the end of teaching times is that has given us something to think about. And just occasionally I felt that they shouldn't be being made to think just by the way in which that has been said. But that's one of the things that should be about us. One of the most satisfying things about Christianity is that it satisfies the mind and seeks to stretch us, giving us reasons for the hope and the faith that we have within us. But if I think about things, I might get upset. So what do I do? I blindfold myself to all that is going on. And Paul is saying, don't run away, but run toward reality. Think about the big picture. Think about what it is to be reconciled to the Heavenly Father through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the security that can come into your life because he comes to indwell you, will never leave you and never will forsake you. If we keep thinking about just the basic truths, then we're on the way to get peace. If we don't have peace right now, It's perhaps because we're not thinking about the excellent or praiseworthy. Our peace doesn't come from making ourselves stupid. Our peace doesn't come by burying our head like the ostrich proverbially in the sand. Our peace comes by making ourselves smart. We think about our beliefs as much as possible, but that alone is not going to be the complete answer. Because there is a second thing that we need to bear in mind, and that is thanking. And this is very important. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. We might say, make a request and thank God when you get the answer. That is not what Paul is saying. We thank him as we make the request. We don't wait to see the answer. Paul is saying, we will never be content unless as we make requests, we thank God that life is in his hands, thanking him for whatever is happening. We're never going to get contentment unless we see this. God didn't make the world to be filled with violence. He didn't make the world to be filled with greed, with arrogance, with selfishness. He didn't make it that way. That's the outcome of man's disobedience. But the fact is, all things, even the bad things can be made to work together for good. Not that they are good, but he can make them work together for that. When we pray, God gives what we would have asked for if we'd known what he knows. And we won't have peace if we don't believe this. Let's see if we can just move that screen on at this point, okay? We won't have peace if we don't believe this. You see, it's so important to have thanksgiving. Do you know, when you go to a prayer meeting, has this ever been your experience? Because it's certainly been mine. You go in happy, 
and you come out miserable. And I've tried to analyse the reason why that is the case. And it is that we did the right thing. We prayed about this need and this issue and this problem, and that was fine. But we didn't immerse the atmosphere with thanking and affirming. And so we took too much of a burden upon ourselves. Now, Paul's prayers as a model in his letters, he always begins with thankfulness. You see, a prayer without thankfulness is like a bird without wings. And when Paul says think and thank, he's saying you need to force it into yourself. We need to do a job on ourselves. A church pastor was taking an air flight and then he noticed that he was going to be sitting for the next few hours next to a well-known theology professor he highly respected. And he thought, this is wonderful. I'll be able to ask him all sorts of questions that I've always wanted an answer from, from someone with his background and knowledge. But the professor wasn't really up to talking because he said, my seven-year-old little boy died yesterday in hospital and I'm on my way home now to make arrangements for the funeral I'm not really up to a conversation but then he began to explain a bit more all the family was gathered around his little lad's bedside and it was the middle of the afternoon the sun was streaming in and the little lad said daddy it's getting dark It was for him, but not for anybody else. And so his daddy said, I held his hand. And I said, I'm here, and I'm going to be here, and still holding your hand right through this darkness. And he smiled. And his last words to his dad was this. Good night, daddy. See you in the morning. And he turned to that pastor and he said, I thank God that I can't wait for the morning. That is somebody making a sacrifice of praise. That is someone with a perspective on things, which helps. So there's thinking and thanking and then there is thrilling. You see, it's not enough to just think and thank on the right things. It's important to be thrilled by what is lovely and praiseworthy. Do you know our problem? We try loving God with all our heart. And I'll give you a week at that. If that, to survive. And then you'll be saying, I'm not feeling the thrill of God that I was feeling a few days ago. You see, God is just a term. Notice the secret of peace is God guarding our hearts. It's one thing to keep our thoughts on Jesus Christ. It's another thing to keep our hearts. And the only way to find tranquility is if our hearts love Christ wholly, wholeheartedly. How do we do that? I'm going to give you one verse from the Bible because that will help. 
It's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Think, thank, and thrill yourself into what this is saying. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus Christ took the consequences for what we have done. Did Jesus face the crucifixion saying, I am content in whatever circumstances I'm in? Jesus never said that because he wasn't. Because he lost all his peace when he was on the cross. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I've never quite understood where to put the emphasis. My God, of all, my God, me, forsaken me. And it wasn't a polite comment. It was a scream. Jesus lost all his peace so that we could have eternal peace and looking at that will get us through if we will fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ all that he has been all that he now is all that he will be for us and I'll prove it Horatio Spafford was a businessman in America and in 1871 during the Chicago fire he lost his business. He did everything he could to build it up again. And two years after that, he thought, I'm getting there, just one or two more steps to take. But meanwhile, he knew that his family needed a break. So he sent them on ahead by ship to Europe while he put some finishing touches to the business and then he would join them a little later. His wife, Anna, and four daughters really were looking forward to that. And there was a shipwreck. And Anna was found unconscious. And she sent word back to her husband, saved alone. Later, when he was on a ship in the middle of the night, the captain came to his cabin and knocked on the door, and he went out to the place where the captain said, that's where... The ship went down and your daughters passed away. Little later on, reflecting upon all of this, he wrote a poem and some of you will know it quite well as a traditional hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. What has that got to do with four little girls drowning? Everything. Do we know why? When things go wrong, we say, maybe I'm being punished. No. Look at the cross. All the punishment fell on him. Things go badly and we say, Maybe God doesn't care. No. Look at what he did for us. I lost a child too. Singing that hymn. Watch a man. He is thinking, thanking, and thrilling himself 
into the peace of God. It worked for him. If there's one thing God can't do, and there is, anybody says to you, can God do anything? The answer is no. One thing God can't do is contradict his integrity. He can't lie. He will keep his promises. This is his promise. As we go from here to live in the good of this, experience the peace that transcends understanding. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, may we go from here thinking, thanking, and thrilling ourselves into the reality of this experience. The peace through trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen.